0: Very good afternoon, it is Niall Boylan, which, uh, well, for the next hour or so, we've lots to get to, including, by the way, we're going to be talking to Ollie London about his new book, Gender Madness, in a few minutes. But before I do that, by the way, can I mention as well, don't forget, you can WhatsApp or text us at any stage at 85 122 55. There's the number on the screen, 85 122 55. And I want to read out this email first before we start. We want to get your reaction to this uh, before we go to Oli. And it says, hi Niall. Please help. I really need advice. And your show is honest. I know that much. My son is 10 years of age and has been friends in school uh, with a kid around the corner for the last two years. The kids has sleepovers and play dates all the time in my house. Last month he was in the house with my son and I noticed he was wearing shorts that looked suspiciously female. And I honestly thought nothing of it. And my son kept saying his name wrong and calling him Sarah. Even though his name is actually Stephen. I didn't really want to say anything, and I just thought I was hearing things wrong, and I thought they were just playing make-believe or something. Last week, my son asked me if Sarah could come around to the house for a sleepover. I'd forgotten about the previous incident, and asked my son, Who is Sarah? Is she from your school? And does her mammy know? And I'm not sure how appropriate it would be for a girl to stay overnight, unless her mother is aware of it. I told him I would talk to her mother, and ask if he could uh, get her phone number uh, for his friend Sarah, and but I still hadn't put two and two together. I got the number, and I called Sarah's mother, and she said she had no issue with her staying over, and that uh, she had sa- sure Sarah has stayed in your house before. Niall, I was floored, as the penny then dropped that this was Stephen's mother. I asked what was going on, and I thought it was Stephen's mother, and she informed me that he is now identifying as a girl. I asked why, and she said he was born in the wrong body, but always knew he was a girl, and so did I. Now, this woman is a complete nutcase, and everybody in the school knows about her. She left her husband years ago, and she's at every single protest in the area. No matter what it's about her, she can be seen at. I told her I wasn't happy, and would have to talk to my son about the girl staying over, just to be polite. I didn't want to be too rude to her. I talked to my wife and told my wife I didn't want my son hanging around with a boy like this, as it might be an influence on him at the age of 10. I talked to my son when he got home. Um, And I was just blown away now. The mother of the child has been telling my child that you can be anything you want to be. And God love him in his innocence. He believed that nonsense and repeated it back to me. I explained the home truths to him that Sarah is not a girl and Sarah is a boy whose mother thinks he's a girl. And that's not good. And I told him there would be no more staying over the house for now. He was quite upset, as you can imagine. My wife thinks I'm just being cruel to my son, but honestly I think it's best, as I just don't want that influence in his life, if I can avoid it at all costs. He already believes it's okay to change your gender thanks to Sarah, Stroke Stephen, and has been influenced, as far as I'm concerned, by his mother. My wife and I are now at loggerheads, and she thinks I'm just teaching the child to be a bigot. Is she right? It's a very complicated situation. It is concerning. There's no doubt about that. There is statistics out. To, we'll talk it to Ollie in a few minutes about that, about what they call the social contagion. But are you teaching your child to a bigot, be a bigot? Possibly. Maybe not. That all depends on how you look at the situation. But I want to know what you think today. And I want you to text us or WhatsApp us at 85 122 That's 85 122 Is this man being a bigot by not wanting his son to hang around with a 10-year-old child who's changed his gender. Now, before we take your calls with that, I want to speak to our good friend, Ollie London. Ollie's been on the show before, but he's got a new book out and it's called Gender Madness. And in case you don't know, Ollie at one point identified as a woman, but not just a woman, a Korean woman, and had a lot of plastic surgery done. He had a lot done to himself before he detransitioned and realized he was heading down the wrong path. And I suppose, Ollie, the first thing I want to ask is, you know, I suppose the purpose of the book is to make sure other people don't mistake or don't make the same mistakes that you made.
1: That's the purpose. You know, the purpose is to educate people. But there's a lot of people, even people in the LGBT community that deny the fact that children are being medically transitioned and put on puberty blockers and hormone Therapy and there's a lot of people that deny that, so I think it's very important to present people with the evidence, to educate people with the facts, the statistics, uh, countering the claims that trans activists like to make that this is fine, this is reversible because it's really not. So I've done a hell of a lot of research um, for this book, and uh, I really hope people can read it, and um, it's available for pre-order now on Amazon, um, and I very much encourage everybody to pre-order and help expose this because. You no, know, I think education is important if somebody buys the book and gives that to someone else after they read it and then they give it to someone else that's getting the word out because that so many children are having their lives destroyed and not just that women are having their rights taken away in sports women's
0: spaces, and We'll come to, to that in a second. Let, let's just, for those who haven't, uh, the last time we were on, maybe they weren't watching or they weren't listening the last time, and who haven't seen you before, Ollie, Uh you went through this yourself at a very young age. You decided you weren't happy with your own identity. And quite bizarrely, of course, you wanted to be Korean. Uh, you obviously <laughs> wanted a cultural change. I mean, when you look back, I know we can kind of smile and laugh at that now, but you spent so much money. Uh, you had, you know, surgery. You did everything. And I've seen some of the pictures of you in the past where you wanted to look like this uh, a Korean, a Korean woman, so to speak. I mean, what was in your mind at that particular time? Can you? Because it's very hard for me, as somebody who's never had a difficulty with my identity as a male or as a man, to understand what made you think at that point you wanted to be not only a woman but Korean as well, a Korean pop star.
1: I mean, it does sound crazy. And, you know, I look back now and think, God that was a really crazy time. And thank goodness I'm out of that. But really, it was a combination of things, you know, being bullied as a teenager, body dysmorphia, gender dysphoria, and just wanting to change myself beyond recognition, which was obviously sad. And I was clearly struggling at the time, but I didn't see it. So I was on this very destructive path. I moved to Korea. Um, I, you know, told the doctors, I want to look like one of these K-pop stars because they look great. They've got perfect feminine features. And I went down that route because I was like, know why not base myself on on someone you know you have people basing themselves on kim kardashian or angelina Mm -hmm. jolie i was like you know why not go for this look um and i didn't see it at the time it was very destructive and it was only last year when i really woke up from this madness and i realized that you know i'd done something crazy and i've destroyed myself and you know destroyed so many friendships and you know people looked at me and you know maybe they were being influenced by by me so i realized you know i had to really step back and rein myself in and actually find a purpose in life because I'm a bit I'm a bit confused by the way
0: did did you did you want to just look like a female Korean pop star or did you want to be a female Korean pop star because they're two very different things wanting to look like somebody is one thing but did you actually feel that you were female did you actually I don't know what it is to feel like a woman by the way but did you feel like you were female or did you just want to look like a female
1: yes actually i did so i i wanted the look but i also wanted to feel that way so i started you know dressing um in female clothes and dresses and i generally felt in my mind that i knew i wasn't a woman but i thought i was a trans woman or trans female i know you can't change your biology but Mm -hmm. i generally felt it at the time and i felt you know the reason i was unhappy with myself the reason i hated the way i looked um throughout my life was because of this gender issue and i thought generally you know maybe i was meant to be Born as a woman I was born in the wrong body so I, I generally did
0: feel like that and I mean relation to of course you'll find any surgeon is willing to take your money off you um, thankfully mm-hmm. you didn't get your genitalia removed or anything like that at the time <laughs> you had got you basically you copped oh, out before, before that happened but you did get a lot of facial stuff done you've got other stuff done how much did you spend on on surgery and I don't know Botox or whatever lip fillers whatever else you got how, mu- how much did you spend
1: well, it was really crazy because it was over a ten-year period, and you know, it was 32 procedures in total, and then constant Botox and filler and vampire facials and lifts. So it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, because mm. some of the procedures, for instance, in Korea, I did um, five surgeries in one day, but I actually had all my bones shaved and changed, and that was wow. fifty thousand dollars for that particular thing. So your, bo- so your bones, up- sh-
0: your bones shaved. I don't even know how to yeah, t- I mean, describe that. I did it. that.
1: <laughs> It sounds like a horror movie something from Saul but I actually did that a few times willingly and I thought it would make me happy and you know now I don't have much movement in my face you know my muscles Mm -hmm. are frozen Um, so you know I do regret doing all that I've also got titanium screws in my cheeks and my chin. Um, but, you know, you can't you can't take back the past. I've done what's done. You know, I need to learn from that. And I need to educate people that changing yourself beyond repair is not the best solution for. And
0: what and what were happen. you thinking when other people were looking at you? And I know you spent a lot of time in the media at the time and you would have been on Instagram and TikTok and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and you were you know performing and you were showing people how you look now. And when people were saying things to you, like, Ollie, that looks ridiculous, or Ollie, that looks silly, or Ollie, what are you doing that for? Or Ollie, you'll never be a Korean pop star woman, you know, that's not what you are. What were you thinking? Were you thinking, they're all mad, they're all transphobes?
1: Yeah, you know, I was kind of a bit woke before, so thank goodness I'm out of that bubble and very anti-woke now. But, you know, at the time, I generally, when I would see comments like that, it would actually encourage me to do more surgery and to change more. And, you know, I started doing my own K-pop music as well. And, you know, I kind of just tried to hit back at the bullies because I was bullied as a teen. So mm. I felt like I was being bullied all over again. So I thought, you know, let me prove these people wrong. Let me get more surgery and maybe all of this bullying will eventually stop. But of course it didn't.
0: It did. It got worse probably there at that stage. Mm-hmm. And can you remember the the day or the moment or the turning point in your life where you said, this is nonsense? What am I doing to myself? I mean, where am I going with this? Can can you remember the day or the moment that you decided that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was over a period of uh, a few weeks I'd been really struggling, thinking about the next step in my life, thinking, do I continue down this path or do I take a step back? And it was really tough and I just you know woke up one day and I was like I need to stop this because it is madness and I kind of just snapped out of it and I started going to therapy sessions uh church sessions and uh, you know I had to snap out of it because it was if I'm just going to keep doing this it's only going to end in you know one way I could end up dying on the operating table so you <laughs> know, I had to wake up and there was uh various things in my mind telling me you know this is bad this is wrong and I need to stop and I also realized that I have to be a good influence to people that follow me on you know. TikTok and Instagram I I shouldn't be promoting this craziness you know I shouldn't be promoting people to change themselves I should be being a good influence and a good role model
0: because of course body dysmorphia is a terrible thing to happen to anybody to constantly look in the mirror no matter how well you look still never be happy with yourself and you know and there is no right advice at that particular moment of time apart from talking to obviously somebody who's a trained professional to deal with that Mm -hmm. Um, but I suppose as you rightly said you know changing your body is not the answer because that's not the cure Uh, the cure obviously is more psychological than that but in relation to your book I suppose it delves into then where you went from that point on when you finally stopped and accepted who you were and you were all london and you weren't a k-pop star and you weren't any of these things and i know you found god as well because i'll come back to that in a second you brought religion into it as well But, I mean, you kind of went on a mission then to make sure this didn't happen to anybody else because you've been so badly affected by this. Now, I know you've hooked up with Caitlyn Jenner uh, and a few other people around the world to, I suppose, campaign against this, women in sports, or should I say biological males in women's sports. And your Twitter account is followed by a lot of people, and so is your other uh, Instagram and your other uh, socials as well. And, I mean, what sort of feedback are you getting from people at the moment?
1: Also well, with my book Gender Madness, it's really opening the wounds of what I went through and just to try and um, help other people that may be struggling with the way they look or their gender identity and you know it's about educating people. So this is a very important book. And you know, I've connected with many people um since announcing my book and also since campaigning for you know women's sports issues, for protecting women's spaces and, and other things. And you know, I'm very grateful to I've connected with some amazing women, parents, advocates, politicians, campaigners, all sorts of people, you know, that are in this fight together because we all just want to restore common sense. Uh, Niall, it's not about taking away anyone's rights. It's not about targeting a particular group of people. It's simply about protecting children, protecting women and protecting parents. And that's why my book, Gender Madness, is really going to help a lot of people. And I encourage everybody to pre-order it now.
0: In relation to, I suppose, children and where this is all coming from, I mean, if you go back seven or eight years ago, because I've been in talk shows mm-hmm. for 24 years, we never spoke about gender identity. We never spoke about this kind of stuff because it just didn't it didn't arise. It just wasn't there. Apart from the odd individual like yourself around the world, there wasn't any cases of it that we could talk about where we thought somebody was being unrealistic with their expectations in life. But now we're seeing a lot of it. We're seeing so many young teenagers confused about their own gender, Why do you think this is happening? Is social media, is is, is that the guilty person here, the the guilty aspect of this social media?
1: Well, you made a great point because we weren't talking about this a few years ago because it wasn't an issue. It wasn't something that was happening to kids en masse. And it really has become a social contagion. And all of this happened around the time of COVID and TikTok. You know, people took to online, kids weren't going to school and interacting, so they were more susceptible to these ideologies being pushed on them in algorithms on TikTok. And I've got several chapters in my book about this and how social media has influenced uh, Generation Z and young people to be convinced that they're transgender or non-binary. And a lot of it is really because these kids just want attention, they just want validation. So they feel, and they see people like Dylan Mulvaney being successful and they think they want to emulate that. So I think it's a social contagion. And unless more people speak up, you know, we're going to see it get a lot worse before it gets better. But there's definitely mm-hmm. hope because I've, I've seen, you know, many, many people speaking out now. There's, you know, so many great mums and dads and parents and grandparents that are against this. And again, it's not an attack on any particular community. It's simply about, Stopping, you know, children being medically transitioned and confused and just letting them live their childhoods. It's that simple.
0: I mean, I know the book itself contains a lot of facts, statistics, and you've backed up all your sources in relation to that. And I spoke to Sharon Davies recently. Um, we interviewed mm. her too in relation to women in sports. That's become a huge problem. I mean, and Sharon and yourself actually put that picture up over the weekend. I think I did myself too, in relation to the the, the male, uh, uh, the trans woman, and the woman, I think it was in cycling, and it was which one of these is a biological male, and it was, which was pretty obvious. I mean, is that ever going, that situation or that uh, issue ever going, to be tackled i know in britain they're tackling it but the rest of the world don't seem to be tackling it very well
1: well you know this should be an issue that's a common sense issue based on biology you know it's simple science that men do have an advantage over women so you know we should use common sense but sadly it hasn't been applied in recent years um however we've just seen that uci which is the governing body for cycling has banned trans athletes and they will now have to compete in the open men's category which is in the interest of fairness for everyone Uh, world athletics has also changed its policy um there are other sports bodies british rowing has changed its policy so um biological males have to compete against uh, men basically or in an open category which is just about fairness because we know know men have a significant advantage look at the pictures that Sharon shared or myself or you and um, you know look at Leah Thomas the swimmer six foot two bigger muscles than all the women it's obvious they've got an advantage so this is about fairness it's not about discriminating and you know for these trans athletes that say they're being discriminated against they're they're more than welcome to compete in a men's open category where they belong so nobody is trying to ban them from sports. Well, will they
0: will they, will they believe they don't belong there because they said they're not men. And, you know, they believe. That. So so what is the actual answer, to be fair, to some trans athletes? Is there an answer?
1: I mean, just what the UCI cycling body has done is they've now changed the men's category to a men's open category. And there are some um, cycling organisations in the US, as the Belgian Waffle Ride, that have now made an open category for anyone to compete. So if a woman feels like she wants to compete against men, she's entitled to join that as well. So I think that's the only option because we know regardless of someone's identity, regardless of whether they feel that they're a woman or even if they've taken uh, hormone suppressants, they will always have a significant advantage.
0: Of course, they've they've longer thighs, longer legs, bigger arms, more muscle uh, uh, in their arms, or whatever it happens to be. Particularly when it comes to swimming or something like that, or cycling, indeed, with their legs. Um, in relation to, I suppose, what's next for Ollie? Um, this campaign is uh, hard and fast, and I see it constantly on Twitter all the time. Are you ever going to back down or get to a point where you say, I've done what I can, I can't do any more? Because the book goes into so much detail. And I know you've done a lot of research and a lot of work in the book, but it goes into so much detail. And hopefully, you know, it will help parents, educators, uh, sports people and children alike who may be reading it. Um, But do you think that the battle will ever end?
1: I think uh, we're reaching a point where people are a lot more aware and that's why education and raising awareness is so important. And you know, we've seen in the US, 20 states have banned gender affirming care, which is uh, medical transitions on children in the last year. So that's a huge victory. Almost half of US states have banned that now. And that's just within the last year Nile. So I think we're seeing uh, big progress. I think more people need to wake up. And that's why, you know, books like mine are helping educate people. So people can, you know, parents can see the warning signs to protect their kids. Uh, Parents can also learn how they can fight back. And also people struggling with this can realize, you know, they're beautiful the way they are. They don't need to be doing all of these things just because it's a trend. Um, Mm. And, you know, I'm not going to stop this mission because I feel there are so many thousands and thousands of kids that are being transitioned and, once they detransition, which I think we're going to see a big thing in the next few years, a lot of kids detransitioning, they're going to need so much support. They're going to need a voice. They're going to need an advocate. So I'm always going to be speaking up for these people.
0: Uh, in relation to those kids that detransition and you talked about gender affirming care in states in America and you're right, Mm -hmm. many of them have banned it for people who don't know what that means that essentially means no puberty blockers and no surgery for those under the age of 18 if you're over 18 do what you want, it's your life but I think we have to be careful when it comes to children under the age of 18, do most countries around the world still allow puberty blockers for children, which by the way can be very dangerous and you know and they obviously can be irreversible too I mean even the the NHS themselves have stopped prescribing puberty blockers blockers because they need to investigate it more, the damage or the long-term damage they can do. I mean, do, do you well, see a point really, where every it, country will ban them? Well, this
1: is really a Western phenomenon because we don't see, you know, in Asia in in... Um Africa, Latin America. We don't see all these kids uh, wanting to transition. There's no demand for it. So this is really a Western phenomenon that's spurred on by big pharma and the medical industry that profits from this. Um, So like you said, the NHS has now changed its guidance to um, ban puberty blockers except for clinical trials for under 16s. Uh, We've seen some Scandinavian countries reverse their policies um, and several European countries are changing their guidance. Um, Finland has changed their guidance. So, you know, we're seeing progress. And again, it comes back to educating people because a lot of trans activists like to claim that puberty blockers and hormones are reversible. And they're really not. Because once you try them, once you take those tablets, they alter your body and mind forever and it can never be undone.
0: Did you take did you try taking hormones yourself at the time?
1: um thankfully i didn't because i've always been kind of against taking any kind of medicine like even if i have a headache i don't take medicine (laughs) um so i only took it very rarely obviously when i would had surgery because you're in a lot of pain um but no i didn't because you know i just worried about the harmful consequences but you know it's kind of ironic because i was doing all those things to surgery and risking my life yeah. yeah so i didn't um thankfully do that you know because it can create breast growth and it changes your bone structure and everything
0: Okay, well, th- thankfully, you didn't go down that road. Well, look, if anybody wants to buy the book, you can pre order now on Amazon. It's called Gender Madness. And that's a picture of it there on the screen. A nice picture of Ollie looking very well, I have to say. Nice polar neck. Um, looking very well. I'm, but, like, curious, very, by the way, curious. Very, very shocked. <laughs> I'm curious, Ollie, by the way. You originally were going to call the book Detailed Transitioning. Uh, and then you changed it to gender madness. Was it wasn't because I suppose the problem accelerated so quickly when you originally decided to do the book? Was that it was the book was originally going to be more about, I suppose, your own experience? And then obviously you wanted to expand because obviously the gender madness was getting worse over the last year. Is that why you changed the name?
1: Well, there's a variety of reasons, but uh, predominantly a lot of people didn't know what the word detransition actually meant. And indeed, oh, okay. if you type that word on your computer, it comes up with autocorrect or a red line. So, not even recognized by a lot of dictionaries. So, you know, I thought in the interest of helping people understand what the book is about and the issues in the book, I thought gender madness was more fitting. Um, there is a lot about detransitioning my own journey and other people that have detransitioned who have shared their stories, but I think it was a better title for the book because it's more about all this craziness, this woke ideology, All this literal gender madness that's being pushed on society so Mm -hmm. it's better reflective and you know at least people know what that means detransition doesn't even come up in a lot of dictionaries
0: well look it's been a pleasure once again to talk to you and always fighting the fight listen thank you very much indeed ollie london thank you for joining us today the multi-award winning nile boylan podcast